Hello lovelies, this is Diary 7, episode 11 of Why Did I Write That? Uh, we're in Istanbul right now. In the last episode, uh, we left Greece, we arrived in Turkey, we toured the Ephesus, which I was super duper impressed by. Uh, we got to Istanbul, stranger rubbed my boob, I was pretty mad about that. Uh, and we've made friends with some Danish boys who we're going to let stay in our hostel room on the sly because they're getting kicked out of the hostel and our room is mostly empty. So back at it, Friday, October 9th, 2009. Woke up far too early this morning, 7.30, for having gone to bed at 3.30. Ugh. And of course there's no such thing as quiet in this city, as with every other European city. So I couldn't get back to sleep. The Danes came and dropped off their stuff around 10. I went to use the internet while MK still dozed, with the intention of writing the fourth travel update, since the last one I posted was in Athens. But the keyboard sucked. I was pounding the keys, but they would either not appear or show up like seven times. So I opted to leave it until I was at a better computer. I returned to the room, MK still passed out, lucky guy, and filled out the dream journal and this one. When MK finally got around to getting out of bed, it was four o'clock. <laughs> well, he did drink a bottle of ouzo last night. He was feeling pretty lousy, but we went to see the Blue Mosque anyways. We walked through the Grand Bazaar, and once on the other side, got kind of lost. We went into a mosque, but it wasn't the blue one. <laughs> we walked down to the shore to try to get our bearings, but ended up still being confused as to our whereabouts. We followed the shore for an hour or so before finding a bus stop with a map showing us where we were. Turns out we had walked around the entire tip of the peninsula, but ended up close to where we wanted to be, so it all worked out. We went into the Blue Mosque. Wow. Again, a cavernous structure with detailed paintings adorning all of the ceilings, low-hanging chandeliers, and beautifully but simply carved marble. This one differed from the others we had seen by numerous stained glass windows, which bathed the interior in a blue aura. Leaving the mosque, we exited on the wrong side, so we circled around until we found the obelisks we had seen yesterday, one of Constantine and the other with Egyptian-style hieroglyphics on it, and from there we easily found our way back to the hostel, getting some corn nuts along the way. We met up with Casper and Emil, who had had some trouble booking room for another night. The reception was still telling them that there was no availability, despite, that there, despite there being four empty bunks in our room. They finally booked a room, but they weren't in our room. MK and I went out to get some dinner at a nearby restaurant, getting a custom vegetarian dish, as well as stuffed peppers and tzatziki and bread. Pretty tasty, but not outrageously, oh, and not outrageously expensive. Then we returned to the hotel and played some poker with the Danes. By midnight, we were all pretty beat, so we finished the game and said goodnight. October 10th. We woke up at 8 this morning to get some breakfast and then head to the airport. It was pretty easy to get there, just as the Danes had explained. Just take the tram all the way to the end, and then the metro all the way to the end. <laughs> and at six TLs each, it was cheaper than the ten TLs it would have cost us to take the shuttle from our hostel. I have to apologize. I don't, like, I don't know what that is. Turkish lira, maybe? Um, I'm, yeah, just like in, I think in Poland, I was writing like PLNs. Like, I'm just... I don't remember the name of the currency, and I'm not going to bother looking it up. <laughs> uh, the airport was pretty easy as well. We checked in with no problems, and only had to wait about 40 minutes until boarding. 
They fed us pretty well, but since we hadn't specified our vegetarianism, we were stuck with pulling the meat out of our food. Oh well. We had a brief stop in Dubai. 20 minutes was enough time to get off the plane, walk from the departure gate around once, and, and end up back at the gate in time for boarding. Flying over Dubai was crazy. You could see just how sculpted and manufactured the whole place was. The coast, the islands, the city layout. I guess with the whole place being built within the last 20 years, there's not much imagination anymore. <laughs> Flying over the desert was neat too. I've never seen anything like it. Just sandy expanse with a few dots of houses here and there and seemingly no roads. I think I would probably get lost quite easily if I were to go into the desert. <laughs> yeah, probably. From Dubai, we continued to Kuala Lumpur, where we had, a, we had to transfer flights. The flight to Kuala Lumpur was overnight, but neither of us managed to sleep. I think MK got a few Zs near the end of the trip, but not nearly enough. They served us breakfast shortly before we landed, which was three quarters of sandwiches, one cheese, one chicken, and one that said it was vegetable, but had a suspiciously meaty look, so I steered clear. MK was hungry, and re was hungry and reasoned that they were just going to be thrown out anyways, so he ate them all and informed me that the vegetable one had tuna in it. October 11th. Landing in Kuala Lumpur at about 6 in the morning, local time, we had to wait until 9.40 for our flight to leave for Perth. We waited in line at the transfer counter for about an hour and had to witness a German boy behind us in line vomit on the floor and the old Indian couple that were two spots behind us magically end up in front of us, only to be informed that we wouldn't be allowed to board the flight because we needed visas to get into Australia. Luckily, we could get temporary visas at the airport, so we went through all sorts of customs. Everyone seemed to think something different, but eventually we got our visas from the airline office and then returned to the beginning to check in and get our boarding passes. It was 9 o'clock by the time we checked in, so we had to hurry to our gate because boarding began in 10 minutes. We made it on time, and in fact had time to stop and buy a toothbrush and small tube of toothpaste, because both of us felt gross. Being horribly overtired, I was hoping that this flight would be as empty as our initial flight from Istanbul to Dubai, so I thought so, so that I might be able to stretch out and sleep, but no such luck, it was full. I tried for a bit to sleep, but it wasn't working, so instead I watched Brothers Bloom, which I had missed when it had been at the bookshelf. Again, we were fed pretty well. Got Ferrero Rocher chocolates and ice cream on this flight. Ooh la la. <laughs> we finally arrived in Perth at 3 o'clock local time. All said, given time differences and such, we probably spent about 16 or 17 hours on a plane. Yuck. We were dead tired at the airport and didn't want to deal with checking our quarantine items, so we threw out the Nutella and jam and spices that we had left in my bag. We waited in line for customs. We were lucky enough to be randomly chosen for an intensive bag search by a friendly Aussie customs agent named Brian. He went through my whole bag and part of MK's, read snippets from both of our journals, and looked through the photos on our camera. He even ran a swab thing over my bag to make sure that there were no traces of drugs. We forgot about the dried soup packet that had migrated to the bottom of my bag and had it quarantined with warnings that could have meant a $200 fine for not declaring it. Brian asked us a ton of questions about drugs, our whereabouts through our trip, and our intentions in Perth. So this, like, this randomly selected stuff, I mean, I know as a middle-class white lady, this is not happening to me very often. 
Um, but at the time I was traveling with like a dark skinned bearded man and I had dreads. Like we were not, we, we had the look of definitely having drugs, (laughs) definitely drugs, maybe bombs. (laughs) Um, he didn't seem pleased that we didn't know where we would be staying or for how long and that we didn't know Grant, our contacts, number or address. After a thorough ringing, we were allowed to leave. We searched, we searched a board and made a few calls to hostels listed there, and we reserved at the Billabong. Then we took a shuttle bus into town, and it dropped us right at the hostel. Everyone but Brian had been nothing but friendly and helpful so far in Australia. Kind of reminds me of the East Coasters in Canada. Getting to the hostel, we dropped our bags in our room and then went to get food for dinner. We found an Asian grocery store where we picked up some ingredients to make stuffed peppers. We had rice, mushrooms, peppers, chili tofu, and a curry mix to put in it all. Unfortunately, NK was a bit heavy on the curry powder, so it ended up a tad too spicy for my taste, but oh well. We stopped by a bottle shop, hoping to get some cheap wine, but no dice. Alcohol is friggin' expensive here. A six-pack of so-so beer cost $18 for the cheapest. The cheapest wine we found was for $12.50 a bottle for white wine. Boo. Give me back 89-cent boxes of wine. Any matter, we crashed pretty soon after dinner, having not really slept in over a day and a half. The hostel is pretty much a frat house, with loud and obnoxious music and people. Despite it all, we still managed to get some sleep. October 12th. MK joined me in my bunk halfway through the night, which was nice, so we slept in all cozied with each other. We got out of bed by about one or two and set out to find a pay-as-you-go phone. We picked one up for $69, which included a $10 voucher and a free $150 startup balance. Then to an internet cafe to activate the SIM card online, putting in the address of the Billabong Hostel since we don't have a permanent address yet. We also spent some time looking for sublets and slash apartments to rent. MK sent off a few emails requesting further info on a couple of places, and we received our first call from and we received our first call from Uncle Chris. It was nice to hear a familiar-ish voice. <laughs> familiar-ish because he'd been living in Australia for like ages, and I yeah would see him maybe once every couple of years. After the internet cafe, we did a bit of strolling through the main shopping streets and noticed that a few places were hiring, so I took down the web addresses to apply online. Figuring that I should get my work visa first, I gave the visa place a call. Hmm. Turns out you can't be in the country when the visa is granted, so I'll have to leave for maybe four or five days and then re-enter the country once it's been processed. For fuck's sake. (laughs) MK hasn't heard from the place where he applied, but I'm assuming it's the same deal. The guy I spoke to at the migration office said that the easiest thing was to go to New Zealand for maybe five days, to call them once I'm out of the country so that they can begin processing it, and it should be ready within two to four days. Ugh. I mean, New Zealand will be awesome, and we were already planning to go there, but not until afterwards when we have more money and can really enjoy it. Oh well. This way maybe we can visit Uncle Chris and Aunt Diana and the kids once we're on that side of Australia though they are moving at the end of this month, and mentioned that it might not be a convenient time for them. We heard from Grant, Lisa's ex, and wow, is he ever friendly and helpful. He's going to pick us up tomorrow once he's finished uni, and he's just so happy we're in Perth and is dying to show us around and make sure we have a good time. Yeah, this guy was incredible. He was so friendly, so lovely. 
I had never met him, um, MK Head. Elise was a friend of ours from Guelph. Um, and she dated Grant. I think she lived in Australia for a bit with him. But I think he had been to, he had been to Guelph a handful of times, and that's when MK had met him. But this dude, yeah, it was just like so accommodating, so welcoming, just a, a super duper lovely guy. Um, he even said that he'd call around to see if he can find any work for us. He called back about half an hour after we hung up the first time and told us that the catering company that Elise had worked for when she was living here had some work on October 24th and November 7th with possible work also in the morning or day before or day before for prep and dishes, etc. He said that the prep work doesn't pay as well, only 20 to $25 an hour. And by all accounts, working in a bar pays about the same. Kick ass. We really need to get these work visas. MK heard back from one of the places he had emailed, and she said to call her once we're ready to find a place, because she usually has spots available. We'll probably start renting a place at the beginning of November. MK and I read for a bit and played push block on the cell phone and had some good, much-needed sex, then went to bed after finishing our wine. No music tonight at the hostel, which is nice. (sighs) All right. October 13th. Woke up at 8.30 to catch the complimentary brekkie of cereal and toast with peanut butter, jam, butter. MK tried some Vegemite, and I smelled it, but it was pretty repulsive. (laughs) We packed up and noticed that we had missed a call and got a message while we were at breakfast. From Elise! Unfortunately, neither of us knew her number to call her back, so I shot her a message on Facebook, letting her know that we appreciated the call, but couldn't call her back. We packed up and checked out and went to do laundry. On the way there, Elise called us back, so we got to talk to her for real. It was so nice to hear from her. She said she'll be getting an international phone card so that we can chat more often. And once MK and I get our computers sent over, we can figure out Skype and talk to each other for free. Yay! Laundry done, we just went back to the hostel and read. MK's getting a bit of a cold, so we opted to just chill until 6.15 when Grant would come. Eventually, Grant did arrive, and was so enthusiastic in pointing out all the sites on our way to Cottesloe, where he lives. He's genuinely pleased that we're here, and is eager for us to fall in love with Australia. Though truth be told, I don't think he'll have to convince us much. Arriving at his place, we met his mother, Michelle, and his stepfather, Mark. We also met one of his sisters, Joy, as she was leaving. Michelle had made dinner for us, and although the risotto was full of meat, we thanked her and ate around it. We even got an apple cake for dessert! The house is beautiful. An open kitchen with a sunny dining room leading to an outdoor dining area in the yard. A table made from the cross section of a giant tree. High ceilings, wooden floors, huge bathtubs. Just lovely. We used Grant's computer to try to upload photos from the second memory card we had filled. But by the time they all went through, after a couple of hours, it said that the upload had not been completed. Being that it was 11.30 by this time, we decided to go to bed and try again tomorrow. (laughs) That sounds like a good place to stop this episode.